Kan jag prova okej? Okej. Alex, if you could come down from that tree real quick. Uh, I got a chain that sure. I really need to cut right now. Sure, um, hold on one second. I'll get my toe cutter and get this chain cut. Hold on a second. Getting out of this tree. Nice day today. Beautiful weather. Beautiful weather we're having. But it's going to rain Walk tomorrow. I'm going to step over this dog poop of this other dog poop. Who's pooping on your lawn? That's my poop. And at your, at your front door. What's up? Okay, getting in. Here we go. All right. Inside your house. Don't care about the pandemic. Just coming in. I am not wiping my shoes. Covered in tree and mud and poop. Uh, all right, Chris. What's up? Welcome to the Maestro Movie Podcast. I hear I got to break a chain. I got to break the chain. Uh, oh, gosh. Um, Never break the chain. Um... So, I was listening to that song before uh, Hunger Games. Um, before I competed in fake Hunger Games. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so. Dang. Can't think of an intro. That's a. Uh, we spun the series wheel again. We did. We got Mad Max. We did. So we start with Mad Max. Start with the maddest of Maxes. The maddest of Mad Maxes. Boy, was he mad! Uh, he had reason. Yes. Um, so. But first we gotta... I guess we gotta talk about... There's only two things, right? With news. I, mean, I think the biggest thing, uh, the one that happened today, like literally today, Mulan will be uh, released on Disney Plus, probably because of that whole Disney Universal AMC thing. Maybe Disney was like, once they saw that deal, they were like, hell, we're putting Mulan out. And they are, but they're putting it out with all of this. Like if you were buying the DVD, basically, you get a digital copy, you get all the special features, everything for $30 on their premium. So it's not just like it's on Disney Plus. You're paying 30 bucks to own it and to own all the special features and to be able to watch it in other capacities. Dang it. I was really hoping I'd see it in theaters. I mean, you still probably... That's the thing. Like Theaters are showing old stuff now. And I'm hoping it starts the trend that I wanted to start before this pandemic started in the first place when we were working at that theater, which is continue to show stuff in theaters. So you may like if you want to show Mulan in theaters after it comes out on Disney Plus, you can theaters can still do that once they're able to show Disney stuff. But I would say pick nights, like pick uh, uh, pick weeks, pick like have curated nights to Disney princess movies. So don't just show Mulan, show Aladdin, show Dumbo, show Cinderella, show them all in a day uh, or in a couple of days. And then at your bar, make like have people come in costumes and stuff. Like just because something comes out on Disney plus doesn't mean it comes out on streaming. Doesn't mean it can't hit the theaters again, ever. The whole point is theaters need to be looking back because we're not going to have material to put in theaters. If it goes on streaming. That's true. That's the problem with theaters. That's why they don't want stuff on streaming. No one's producing films. No one's shooting stuff right now. 
So they won't be able to put stuff in theaters when the pandemic ends. They have to shoot it and then make it, which almost always takes six months to a year. So putting those movies on streaming gives movies nothing to show when the pandemic ends. That's why they need to look behind. That's why they need to be okay with showing movies in theaters. Because let's say if Mulan is great, people will go see it in theaters. Because they're sick of being at home. They're sick of watching it. Like, you did it yourself. You saw that Mad Max was going to be in the theater. That only came out five years ago. And you were like, I'm done. I'm down. I'm going. Like, it's totally <laughs> possible. If they showed Twin Peaks in theaters like they were when it came out right now, I'd absolutely be going to see that. If people are passionate about it, they'll go see it. And people are passionate about Mulan and Disney. Um, yeah. <sighs> Dang. So... I thought I had a I thought I had a point about this. I have been looking forward to this film since this since it was announced. You have been one more month to the day. Well, there you go. Now you have a definitive. Now you can definitively watch it. Yeah, and I mean it does. It does like I have a projection. Uh, I proje- I have a projector. Maybe if other people have projectors, then a TV isn't necessarily just the worst way to watch it, but. I just wish theaters would stop thinking so much in the now and in the future. They need to be able to uh, suss out ways to get people to interact with their community. Because when theaters open, people are going to go to those theaters in their community. That's the safest. Those are the closest. Those are the ones that I go to. Or they're going to go to the best round. If you don't have a bar and you don't have stuff like that, like you got to find a way to make it fun. You gotta find a way to make it so that people keep going, and that there's a conversation happening. There's other ways than just showing movies for you to give your audience an experience when they get there. And the first step is showing anything, not just new, not just a, something that came out a couple months ago. Show anything. What happens when award season happens? A movie that's come out in September or November that did really well. Let's say it's the best picture of the year. Like it's gonna come back in theaters, and they're gonna show it again because they want people to see that movie. And they want to get money from that movie. And you will get more money from that movie if you put it back in theaters. So I just wish theaters would just stop crying and whining so much. They could be they could be digging out of the Disney catalog by making deals with them, but they're freaking out when they post stuff on streaming. They're like, we don't want to have a relationship if you're going to put stuff on streaming. And it's like, you should be showing anything, anything when you come back. But I do want to see it too. It looks like it was the most promising out of the newest Disney adaptations. I liked Cinderella. People like Jungle Book. I never got around to it. But nothing it's in else. Theaters. Is the, the 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 Favreau Jungle Book. Yep. Oh well, there you go. I can't go to theaters right now, but um, I may have an opportunity to go to theaters here soon. Um, uh, so there are some things I would love to go see. Uh, but that's my point. It only came out a few years ago. People say it's really good. There you go. Like, they're showing the Jungle Book for a few years ago. What's stopping them from showing Mulan later? Yes, it's the first time to see it. Yes. But the great thing about a movie is that it's always better when you see it on a big screen. No matter what, if it's the first or second time, seeing it on the big screen will always be better than any other time you see it. That's why I love to see movies that I love on the big screen when I've never seen them, uh, when I've seen them several times on TV. The first time I saw The Shining was at Willow Creek in a midnight movie on the big screen years after I'd seen it the first time on TV. Knew it very well. And I, for the first time on the big screen, I was like, this is a really funny movie. This is like not just scary. It's like breaking the tension that you can totally feel even more so on the big screen. But you can really feel the jokes. 
you can feel the sense of humor that's needed for all this stuff to feel a little bit more grounded. And I didn't notice that until I saw it in a room full of people on a bigger screen. So nothing is stopping Nothing is stopping theaters from showing this stuff. Nothing, nothing is stopping people from wanting to see it on a big screen. Like, the first time, yes, is always best, but that doesn't mean you still can't go do it. Mm. Um, I was healthy enough, and we were doing Mad Max Fury Road this week, and I didn't have to go back to work in the next three weeks or so. I would be seeing it in the theater again. It's Mad Max Fury Road. Right. So, yeah, I'll, I'm pretty sure I'll just watch. I'll just watch it, and then if it's good, I'll watch it in a movie theater. Um, uh, it does look good. It looks really good. Uh, I can't wait. Um, and then the Emmys. Well, the only reason I brought the Emmys is a there's there's two big shows. I don't really put too much faith in the Emmys. I'm always happy when something I like gets a recognition. But two things. A, Watchmen, the TV show on HBO, got a, got more nominations, I think, than any HBO show ever has before. It, mm. it got a, like, well into the 20s. It's really great. Everyone should see it. And it's a good step in the direction that HBO is taking for having really good black entertainment. They've got Insecure. They've got um, uh, Lovecraft Country coming soon. And HBO is... A lot of a lot of what's going on in the world in terms of the conversation in terms uh, of, of being black in America is certainly underscored in Watchmen. And the other show that got um, the second most nominations was something that I think you've heard of, Chris. Um, let me double check. The Mandalorian. <laughs> See, now I don't. I skimmed through the list and I couldn't. Oh, it got a exactly man. what it was nominated for. It got a butt ton. That and Watchmen, I believe, are the two that got the most overall as overall as shows. Gotta find that. I gotta find that link. I, no I didn't really see anything else that like I cared too much about. The thing about the Emmys and especially the Golden Globes is they usually give like comedy and dramas to like the newest, hottest thing, and then unless it can keep that quality going it's not going to be awarded too much more after that. Maybe it'll come by toward the end of its life, but that's usually not the case. They like that. Like sometimes it's a good thing. They'll highlight a show that nobody's talking about. And I think that's cool these days, but there's a reason like killing Eve blew on the scene on its first season. It's like season three and uh, doesn't really get that much love anymore. And it's just how the award seasons work. But I honestly do think looking at the production value and the things done for both Watchmen and, um, Mandalorian, they they deserve a lot of credit for what it went into to make those worlds. What the heck? Hmm. Can't find the um the link that Zach sent for the Mandalorian. I can't find it now. There it is. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, there you go. No, no, no. I got it. I got it. I knew it. I told Close you. the nominations? Outstanding character voiceover performance. Taika Waititi as IG-11. Dude, now is the time. Now is the time to watch it. Um, I've got nothing to do and nowhere to go. But you know what? I think I'm going to wait a little. <laughs> I, I am. There's some, I mean, I just ran into a few days where I can literally sit down and watch 
whatever I want. I was slamming through. We just did a butter cast last night about uh, all of Charlize Theron's action movies. So I had to power through those. And then we were supposed to do an interview with the Brian Levant before that. So he had a slew of stuff that I was trying to watch by then. And now I'm done with one and we pushed back the other. So starting ah. tonight after watching Mad Max, I can literally watch whatever I want until Monday, Monday, or I guess Thursday. Um, and I'm probably going to end up watching Road Warrior tonight because I really want to. Um, and then after that, I don't know. I felt I was going to go hop over to Disney Plus and watch Newsies because I love Newsies and I've been I've been I have a hankering to watch that. I just grew up on that movie. It's one of my first movies I ever remembered. Um, so I may pop over to Mandalorian and get some of that started now. I've got desert in my blood right now, and that's the thing. The look mm. of Mandalorian is very deserty, and I've got I've got the wasteland in my blood now. Um, let's see. Outstanding production design for a narrative program. Outstanding cinematography for a single camera series. Outstanding fantasy sci-fi costumes. What? That's the a category for that. Um, considering, <laughs> I mean, considering costume would almost always go to pure to period dramas. Before that, fantasy and stuff didn't really become a big thing in the last ten years. My guess is they made it another category so that the period costume people can continue to get their rewards. Single camera picture editing for drama series, prosthetic makeup, music composition. Guest actor, Giancarlo Esposito. Okay. Uh, outstanding drama series, The Mandalorian. I did not see that. I saw that coming, for sure. No, I... Look, oh, there it is. Camera. I didn't see it on the official, like, list. Oh, no, that's not what I meant. I meant I saw it coming when the nominations were happening. I was like, you know what, Watchmen, probably Mandalorian, a couple other things that I knew for sure. I'm like, yeah, probably. Because they have, they have drama and they have comedy. Oh, it's a <laughs> it's a wild card. You got better better call Saul on there, Handmaid's Tale, The Crown. Oh God, Stranger Things. So it's not gonna win that category. Well, here's here's the thing. I would say Better Call Saul, honestly, in my opinion, is the best show on that list. But Better Call Saul has been around for five seasons. Its next season is the last one. So my guess is if they have a chance to win, it'll be then during a year when not much else has been produced. But it could win this year. I doubt it. Um, is Watchmen in that drama list? Uh, no, it's not. Holy shit, considering it has so many award nominations. I think that probably would have been the one to win. But um, Better Call Saul has a decent chance, considering what else is on there. Handmaid's Tale has been around for a long time, and a lot of people didn't like it as much as they've liked other seasons. I don't think it has a chance. The Crown... People still like The Crown. It's been around for a while. They've been holding steady with their quality. So that has a chance. It's won recently. And um, Mandalorian has a chance because Disney has money. And there's a lot of people behind it. A lot of people liked it. But I, I would hope Saul would win. Just because Vince Gilligan is fucking great. That show is great. And they, they've basically been writing stories in this world for almost 20 years now. And the quality has not dipped. Hell, they just made a movie about a year ago in that world set after the main series, and it's still of the quality of everything else they've made. Like, I better call Saul as uh, it's so good. Bob Odenkirk, everything. I kind of wish it would win. Uh, yeah, speaking of El Camino, that is nominated for uh, Outstanding Television Movie. 
Um, I don't know if it'll win, but I gotta say, solid movie. Is it an A plus? No. Is it like a B plus A for what it is? Absolutely. Like Aaron Paul's really good. It's this tight western noir in suburbia. It's it's a really good stretched out episode of the show, but it has it it's so cathartic for the main character and having followed him for so long, it elevates it even more so. Um, I don't know if it'll be the best to win that year, but it certainly deserves to be recognized. Um, outstanding. Okay, so going back to Mandalorian, the outstanding sound editing, mixing, special effects. Okay, that might be. For specifically, it's not only specifically for Chapter 2. The... the um. It depends on what it is up against. In is there a Watchmen on there? Uh, hold on, I'm trying to. Now I got to go back to the original list. Because at a certain blah, point, blah, Roger Manhattan shows up. Right, he spent blah blah blah. Structured reality. Structured reality. Haha. <laughs> um. Game of Thrones changes the game on a lot of this stuff, man. And the fact that we now have Star Wars shows and more are coming. Marvel shows and more are coming. Oh, the Forget about list. Here we go. Oh, gosh, it's a PDF. Ah, hold on. Character voice you can always go to IMDb. IMDb no, 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 I'm right here. I, I, I'm exactly where I need to be. It just, I clicked on, I went, it took me to E online and then it said for the full list, click here. And then it gave me a freaking PDF file. Hold on. Uh, production design. Okay. Uh, dead air. Um, outstanding visual effects. Okay. Um, production design, production design, production design, casting, 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 choreography, cinematography, cinematography. I'm assuming not all these awards are going to happen on the Emmys, that some of these are probably going to be given out before. Contemporary costumes, directing for comedy, directing for drama. That sucks. Uh, drama for limited series, blah, 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 blah. See what camera. Okay, come on. You're here somewhere. I will find you. <laughs> you killed Jesse and Sprog. <laughs> I will find you. Even though I don't know why someone would name their kid Sprog. It's the future ish. It's an alternative reality, is what I decided. Um, where things are, yeah, that's pretty fine. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, lead actor. No, 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 no. How far am I? This is a this is a lot of awards, Alex. I was gonna say, I think you you want just go to IMDb and look up Mandalorian. They, they will say their awards nominations in the award sections just no, for that I, show. Like, Okay. Yeah, I know. That's where I'm at. That's why. I, that's that's the article that Zach sent that I finally found. Like it's just what they're not, it's just what that's known for. I just want to know if what it's up against. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, gotcha. That is, that can be hard. That can be super annoying. Competition program. There's a lot of TV. Um, still, sound editing. Okay, maybe we're getting close. Mixing, 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 mixing. More mixing. All right, special effects. Uh, Lost in Space. Mandalorian Chapter 2. Stranger Things Chapter 8. Watchmen, see how they fly. Yep, there mm. it is. 
Okay, so Stranger Things has a good shot because they legit have a giant, like, pretty good-looking monster towards the end of that season. And Watchmen, eventually, yeah, you, <laughs> you, <laughs> you see Squid. You see a giant squid attack a city, and then you also see Mr. Manhattan for a good chunk. Um, so the special effects are pretty impressive and prominent. So I think it's a good shot between those three. It could be any of those three. Um, also, Westworld is on here, so I guess. Ooh, Westworld is pretty good. Um, they have better sets than they do CGI, but uh, these days. But I do think their CGI is pretty good too. HBO and Disney, man, looks like it's up against those two. Let's see if there's anything. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So the Emmys have a stunt category, and not the Oscars. Ha ha! What are they doing? Oscars are slow to the punch. It looks like, uh, yeah, so Mandalorian's got... That's nice. That's nice. Nice. That's nice. Nice. Yeah, good for Mandalorian. Good for your fave. All right. There's no news. So, Not really. My mom's been finding... So we'll go into stuff that we've seen. So my mom's been going through... Like, um, she's trying to find shows to binge, and now she finally is continuing Avatar Last Airbender. Dang, that show is good. Um, but you'll be happy to hear this, Alex. That table read for, spot, for, for Scott Pilgrim, ugh, um, it like hit me. Like a ton of because I've listened to it more since we've last. Oh, you with that? Yeah, I watched. It is great. I watched a community one too. (laughs) Um, so that movie's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are some people that think it is aged poorly in terms of some aspects, like fashion and. Like aspects Absolutely of Absolutely not. No, I th- think it's pretty damn. I think it's a pretty damn good movie. But also in terms of fashion, who cares? That's always going to happen with a movie. And then in terms of the tube, like everyone's like Scott deserves knives. Scott should be with knives, and it's like no. Scott and Ramona are both people that have hurt others while they date. They're damaged people, and at this point, they're now going to start with each other to be better to two people that have been hurt before. If anything, their chances are harder, but you hope even more so because they both should have learned from this entire experience. And I think it works. Like, And on top of being like, my second favorite band does the soundtrack. It's an amazing movie. Edgar Wright's awesome. Like, I love Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And when you hear the script and you can still imagine your face... And you see these people have fun with the material, even over um, Zoom. It's amazing. You see how it still holds up. You see the energy that Edgar Wright puts into these people. Pow! I just like how he does that. <laughs> we are sex bomb, and we're here to sell out and stuff. <laughs> we are sex bomb. We're gonna make you think about death and dark stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to make you feel better. We're here to make you feel about that. I like how uh, and stuff. I like the part where, um, it's the, ah, uh, gosh, it's the it's the twin. They're fighting. They're battling the twins, right? 
and they come across the point where the the they make like a, a music yeti and a music uh, hydra, and Edgar Wright stops and says, "A major studio produced this movie." <laughs> I do love that. <laughs> like it's any, anything in Marvel. Come on, man. Also, Aubrey Plaza taping, like getting a stick and like a black piece of paper over the over the Julie lines. That's great. Oh god, no, oh, the movie's great. People, people being just as visual in the reading of that script as they are in the movie is, again, them trying to be like, I want to impress an incredibly visual filmmaker. I want to show them just how much I love the the end result of this movie. Nothing is better than when the actors lo- either loved being on a show or loved being in a movie so much that they, like, that, they've ha- that they are fans. You can see it in them. Like, it's just great. Um, so, yeah, I might watch that movie at some point this week. Um, Please along do. with great, I think it's a great like fall to winter movie, mm, but yeah. uh, that's why I'm saving it. But I, um, yeah, I'll watch that anytime. But, um, what I will, what I am thinking about seeing tomorrow is Last Crusade. Oh, okay. Last Crusade is in theaters, it's at Plymouth Grand. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna uh, do it. Okay, interesting. We just went through them too. Yeah, we just went through them too. That one was we we established that clearly that one is my favorite. Um, okay, uh, Alex, your turn. Um, I watched a bunch of Charlie's Theron action movies again. Um, I saw th- there were two movies that came out in the in the mid two thousands. One was called. Um, Aeon Flux with Charlize Theron, and the other one was with Mila Jovovich, and I've already forgotten the name of that one. <laughs> that probably says something. Yeah. But neither of one, neither of them are very good. Oh, it was Ultraviolet. It was Ultraviolet. Um, Ultraviolet is god-awful. Ultraviolet <laughs> is horrifyingly boring and bad. It is not good. It's just not watchable. <laughs> Aeon Flux is super bad, but not as bad as Ultraviolet. It's pretty bad. Um, uh, Charlize Theron is really good in it, and she certainly has um, the air and the athleticism and the stoicism and the coolness that she would carry to all her other action roles later. And this is like in 2005. But the movie's really dumb, and... It's hacked up to pieces, and the and the studio took it away from the director. But Aeon Flux is a is a hard watch. It's super boring, and if you are committed in some of the performances, you can get something out of it. Some of the set design is cool looking. A lot of the visuals are taken from the anime it was um, based off of, but also they aren't they don't they aren't pulled off as well as they could have been. But there's a there's a ambition there you have to admire. Um, but it's really bad. I just I never watched it, and it's really bad, super bad. Uh, I watched Atomic Blonde again, and I love Atomic Blonde. I honestly think that's her best action. I think that's the best Charlize Theron action movie. Whereas um, Mad Max is Fury Road is the best action movie she's been in. 
but Charlize, like, Atomic Blonde is her baby. I, I saw Old Guard, too, and I think Old Guard is good, um, but I think its focus is way more on character than it is world-building and plot, and that really helps it on your second watch. This, the, the first time I watched Old Guard, I'm like, I'm seeing all of the plot points here, and there's no surprises coming, but I really like these characters. And then I watched it a second time, and I wasn't thinking about the story at all. And that actually highlighted how much I like the characters even more. I was focusing way more on their performances, and I was seeing things that uh, I missed the first time entirely and really enjoyed. And it's so interesting to see a, like Atomic Blonde and know for sure that her focus was to find the guys who made John Wick and to make this movie look neon covered and awesome and like a Bond movie in the Ray John Wick world to focus on the action scenes. Whereas with Old Guard, she picked a director that specifically is known for character work and getting moments out of relationships. And to see that carry over to this kind of comic book superhero movie and strip every, all of the style and flash and bang away to create this like interesting team of great actors who deserve it. Like inclusivity and diversity is the focus in that movie. I do think some of the visuals hurt for it. I do think that like, it's not as memorable looking as some movies, but I think at the end of the day, you don't care because all of the characters are great and all of the performances are good. Um, and then I watched some of Brian Levant's films and I'm, and really, uh, Problem Child 2 was a highlight. Problem Child 2 is a movie I grew up with. Do you know anything about those movies? Problem Child... No, I don't think I do. Do you know who John Ritter is? Uh, God, John- hold on, hold on, John- hold on, hold on. John- I think you know him. He uh, was a comedian on a yes. show called... Okay. I've seen him in something. You gotta- so hold he on. was... He was on the show called Three's Company in the 70s. He was a great comedian. And then the biggest movies he did was called these, these movies called Problem Child. And it was about a guy, a really sweet, nice guy, who adopts the devil, pretty much. Like, not, it isn't a horror movie. It's a comedy, and the kid is just the worst, worst kid ever. And it's cartoonish in the sense that he could electrocute somebody, and where they should die, they would just get poofy hair kind of movies. Um, but they're ruthless, and that kid's evil. But the dad loves them. And um, they made a sequel, because the first one was kind of a hit, and it's bonkers, Chris. It's, it's, it, the, it's, the writers were so annoyed by the um, criticisms that people had of the first film that they went worse, way worse, way worse. And it's, they, they were basically rated, given an R rating and then had to, like say they cut some things but didn't really cut anything and they got a pg-13 anyway like i don't know how this story worked i'm like i'm gonna talk to this guy about it (laughs) crazy um over the board overboard like the kid the kid gets a babysitter and then he films her and her boyfriend having sex and then screens it on the side of the building it's basically child pornography because that girl has to be under 18 it's just like not in not like the actress but the character and you're like uh okay Let's just go with it. Hmm. Crazy stuff like that. Um, it's an. I do think it holds up. It's like a really, it's a bonkers comedy. Um, but I just don't remember it being so crazy. 
when I was like eight years old watching it on HBO. It was a big TV hit, but and kids watched it all the time. So watching it now, I'm just like, wow, wow, couldn't get away with half this shit now, <laughs> but all right. Um, and Mad Max. Mad Max. Speaking of Mad Max. Mm-hmm. First up of the Mad Max series is, well, Mad Max, and he's madder than Max. He's Max, and he's mad. He's a nice guy until the end. Oh, my gosh. Um, Alex? Yeah? Who's George Miller? Ooh, George Miller. Oh, oh, hmm. So, George Miller, uh, in the 60s and 70s, was... A emergency room doctor. He uh, was getting very um, jaded and sick and tired and uh, was getting affected by seeing a lot of car wrecks in Australia. He lived in Australia. And he would keep, see people coming in from, with motor accidents and he was just like, this is horrific. This just takes you away from your soul. It's like, how can I, how can I make people see this? How can I take this visual imagery and apply it to a character so he originally wanted to make a movie about a reporter who goes around and uh would take pictures um and report on uh automobile accidents and then get jaded over time as he does it and just loses loses his like humanity as he does it uh and over he kept working on it more and more and then this like he started thinking about how he could shoot it and he was like well if I shoot it as an action movie, if I actually shoot the car wrecks or have like car chases and stuff, then I can uh, have the consequences of the car action, car crashes actually affect the story and the characters. So he started gathering his money together, working at the hospital as a surgeon, as a doctor, and he pulled about a million dollars together. And he basically, basically, well, he was a doctor uh, and it took a long time to do. Um, and he did basically guerrilla filmmaking. So he and them had no, uh, he basically cast like Goose because he could ride a motorcycle. All of the bikers are pretty much actual bikers except for three. Um, I, I think except for three of the actors who were actually Shakespearean actors, like the main bad guy and the two other henchmen, including the one that gets handcuffed to the car at the end. Um, and there was a, every, all, like a bunch of other extras were just normal people. Most of the barkers were paid in beer. Um, they oh were they were stealing shots a lot of the time. They were like whenever they'd have an accident, they would have to get out because people would call the cops. They weren't getting permits to do this shit. And then eventually, they didn't have radios either, so they would use police scanners to find out when the cops were going to come to a scene, and then they would leave. But the cops caught wind of what they were doing. And then eventually George Miller was like, we're making a movie. Here's what it looks like. Here's some of the dailies. And the cops were like, this looks fucking great. You guys want escorts and help? And they were like, yeah. And they were like, cool, let's go. And so they started helping Australia, man. (laughs) They started helping him get like decommissioned cop cars and stuff. And like everything started getting crazier. And they were like, okay, well, um, let's start figuring how we can shoot these scenes a little bit more efficiently. How can we really feel like we're driving and stuff? 
so the cinematographer was in Australia at the time, but he'd only worked on a couple shows in the 70s and was a camera operator for a couple things. This is his first big movie, and they worked together to kind of figure out where the camera was going to be placed on these cars, how they were going to have the camera on other cars driving the same speed as the ones coming so you could get like a front point of view. The editing was super important to him. Uh, it took two people to help George Miller edit this. When they shot everything, they then edited the movie in a house. So they, were, they had like film lined up in bathtubs. One person was editing in a dark room somewhere while another person was in another room splicing stuff together in a house. Like that's how they were doing this. Um, Mel Gibson came with his friend to an audition uh, just to give him a ride and give him support. But the night before, he had gotten in a huge bar fight. So he was covered in bruises and scrapes. And the producers were like, you – Come in a week when we're uh, auditioning for those people. You look great. And then he came in a week when all the bruises is healed, and they were like, you look great. You want to read for the lead? <laughs> and they were like, awesome. You should read for the lead. Um, and he was in drama school at the time, so he wanted to be an actor, but he he really he didn't have, he hadn't even graduated. He got $10,000 for this. Wait, um, hold on. Wait. Is this Mel Gibson's first like movie? Yeah. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. It, oh, yeah. it felt obvious. Uh, he would do a few more small things and then a few bigger things before Lethal Weapon would happen. Um, they, they dubbed his voice on this because everyone... What we watched now is the Australian version. I'm assuming that's the one that's the most popular now. But for years, people watched this with an American dub. So people didn't really know how he sounded. They just went by how he looked and acted. Um, so the movie comes out. It is a massive massive hit chris massive it starts a whole movement of aussie exploitation movies and some cheap movies from australia started like getting sent all over the world they were becoming hits all over the place um mel gibson was a star right away this was the most profitable low budget movie until 1999 with the blair witch project it's like it was a big, big deal absolutely like it made a butt ton of money back but ton Whoa, of money hold on yes hold on wait a minute mm -hmm. oh my god 1979 to 19 that's 20 years 20 years well i mean by the end of 1979 low budget independent films were what was popular they were getting pushed by studios. Studios were looking for interesting filmmakers. By the 70s, though, that started to die, and studios took over again. And that's when you started seeing Reaganomics and, like, John Hughes movies. and Low-budget movies weren't really a thing. It wasn't until Steven Soderbergh and Quentin Tarantino and all them came back in the early 90s that people started snaking them real quick. Like, Reservoir Dogs was a big hit, but it was a big hit among cinema people. Then studios grabbed him for Pulp Fiction and they gave him a bunch of money and stars. And Pulp Fiction, while an independent movie, isn't really independent. It was produced by celebrities. It wasn't until like Blair Witch, where a couple of kids watched with a couple of cameras in the woods for like thousands of dollars and made the most profitable film of all time, like profitable low budget movie of all time. And that's that's like the point. Like there are movies that like El Mariachi didn't make as much money of these uh, as these. But that's a prime example of like a cheap movie giving everybody a chance after doing really well. But this, yeah, this was a million dollars 
And then, like, every, it was a hit in several countries. It was making millions everywhere. It was a huge hit, let alone in Australia. Uh, and then, yeah, um, it, it, uh, it inspired a lot of things. Miller, Miller said story-wise that he was inspired by a lot of Westerns, but he was also inspired by a favorite of yours, Chris, a man and his dog, which is going to be way more prominent in the next movie. Um, you're going to see those influences way more in, in Road War. And uh, since then, Max Payne was based off this. A lot, of, a lot of stuff has taken from just this movie, but even more so the other Mad Max movies. But this was the first thing George Miller ever made. The second thing he ever made was the next Mad Max. The third movie he ever made was Thunderdome in 85, and then he would go on to have a magnificent career. So the next three movies we're going to watch are the first three movies this guy ever made. That's in, that's insane. Wow. Wait till you get to Road Warrior, baby. I thought that Citizen Kane last episode was the wildest story. That's a that's a big contender. Like there's some crazy <laughs> I might we making a movie here. Oh cool. You wanna you wanna pause some of my own costs? Uh, well, hey, where are you crashing cars out here for? We'll make a movie. Oh, yeah. Um, can I see it? Shit's yeah. right here. Oh, yeah. Um, well, this is pretty good. Need some help then? Yeah. You want <laughs> people out of the way so you can crash more stuff? <laughs> Clean up afterwards? Yeah. You want a legal permit? Absolutely. Well, all right then. Oh, my God. Oh. Need some help running down his body? That feels really Aussie. That really does. One of the, I mean, here's the thing about this movie is uh, in the 70s at the time, there was in 1973 a massive fuel shortage. There was a leak, and so there was, there was a massive fuel shortage. People were like lined at gas stations for like, oh God, it was bad. And especially bad in places like Australia where it's an island out in the middle of fucking nowhere. And if supplies aren't coming, those people on that island are, like, freaking out. You're going to find that the most important thing in this world of Mad Max is fuel. Because as the world is dying, it's the crazy, psychotic people who, like, bought, who treat their cars like they just were, like, this is the thing that I need to make it in this world. Like, this world gets, like, crazy. And that's the point of this movie. It's on the brink of that. The police station is in shambles. No, but there's a prohibited zone that they don't even go to anymore. Like, this society, in quotation marks, is barely hanging on. And soon, you're going to find, in the next few years, that they never stood a chance. This place is broken. That, that, that's like a fear that people have in the 80s, uh, certainly when it came to gas in the 70s, but certainly when it came to the 80s when, like, people were worried about the Cold War, nuclear war, like, Australia's in the middle of nowhere. No one's going to help it when supplies are broken. It's going to become a desert. And you're going to have to live out there, buddy. <laughs> so um, there's this sort of sense of, like, tribalism that you have to imagine people would turn to. Um, and those elements are certainly here, but he didn't intend it to be a post, uh, apocalyptic world. He just couldn't afford nice buildings 
and he could afford locations. And they had to steal shots in the open road was their best chance, especially since it was a car accident movie. So they put a little thing at the beginning of the movie that said uh, the world is on the brink of apocalypse and this and everyone's going crazy. And this is what it's like now. And it was just a quick decision and allowed them to use dilapidated buildings and uh, dusty roads and bad costumes and be able to be exploitive and have no rules. You don't need a full police station. There are only five policemen left. And they're the, they're the traffic cops and normal cops and detectives and everything else. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, so what did you think of the Memax, of the first Memax? Okay. First off, that story is amazing. And uh, oh my God. Um, <laughs> second... It was really, I won't lie, like, it was hard to grasp at first what was going on. Um, like, towards the end, everything started to, like, tie together. It's like one of those deals. Probably said that about several other movies on this show. Um... This did not feel like 90 minutes. It felt like two hours. Honestly. Agreed. Agreed. First, I will be honest. The first time I watched Matt... Well, let me ask you this. What did you think you were going to get with this movie, even with the warning I gave you last week? Uh, I was... I was expecting a slow burn, and that's what I got. But I wasn't like... It was like... Uh... It was, it was, in fact, a slow burn. I wasn't surprised by that, but... Um, I guess I'm more focused on what did you think this world was going to be like having seen Fury Road? I thought it was going to be like... You said it was like just before like everyone snaps. Mm-hmm. And I was like... I guess I was expecting... Like, more of a, I thought I was expecting more of, like, real, like, 1970s, like, Australia. But after hearing your story, like, that's more irrational. Because he didn't have the resources to get, like, modern day, like, modern day Australia on the brink. Well, yeah, I le- they can't. The production could not get modern day Australia on the brink. And then when you think about the fact that this is like just small town Australia, and these cops are like trying their best, all they're all of, they're taking car parts from other cars to save the cars they have because they're never gonna ever have cars sent to them again. Not from the city, and the city's not getting anything from the rest of the world. So it really does fit pretty well. Right. Um. Dang, I had I, I had a, I had a thought. Um, then now it's gone. Great. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> um, I was expecting like <sighs> this. What I was. Um, dang, I was t- trying to regain that thought. I had. I hate losing my train of thought. I hate it. It's. It's my fault. I interrupt. 
<laughs> it's all good. Um, um, that's how I felt the first time I saw this. I was like, I, I, I had seen Rogue Warrior, and I was like, oh, man, this must be great then. I want to see what the first one's like. And it was slow for me. And even right. watching it now, it's kind of like, this feels longer than 90 minutes. Even watching it the second time again today, I, was, I broke it down. And it's, it's no, it's, it's essentially every 15 minutes has two parts to them. And they equal up to the half an hour that make this 90 minutes. So there's 12 parts, and they're broken down into six 15-minute sections, with the last one just being a full-on 15-minute Mad Max going mad. But it doesn't feel like it. When you, when you look at it, it makes absolute sense. Um, and it seems like it's streamlined, but when you're watching it, it doesn't. Um, we're down here somewhere in my nose. Yeah, so the first 15 minutes, they kill Knight Rider, and you meet Max's family. The next, by 30 minutes, uh, the next 30 minutes you, or the next 15 minutes, you meet the police, and the bikers attack the town and the couple. 45 minutes in, Johnny goes free, and then Goose is burned alive. 60 minutes in, Max goes on vacation, the bikers attack his wife for the first time. 75 min- minutes in, they attack her. Uh, again and then they cripple her and kill the baby and then the last 15 minutes 18 minutes is max going for revenge so it's streamlined but i think the reason it feels different is after those first 30 minutes they've killed knight rider you meet max and you meet the world and you realize wow this is barren they don't have a lot of help this police station is whatever and then the the bikers come in and they pull a western they attack the townspeople and they rape a couple. And um, after that, you're like, okay, now we know how bad they is. Now we know the, how bad the world is. We know what our hero is like, what he could lose. And we saw the thing that started everything, the death of Knight Rider. After that point, they decide to focus on Johnny, the boy, and Goose. And it's basically Goose's story for a good 15 minutes. Like, Johnny goes free, Goose freaks out instead of Max. And then Goose finds some girl, and then he gets attacked twice. I think that's that's a big problem right there. They attack his motorcycle, he falls off, then he's fine. Then they attack no. him in a truck. No, here's the thing. They didn't attack his motorcycle, they rigged it. Well, that's an attack. Uh, they weren't all there. That, like, here's the thing. Like... That's that. That was the thing that I that I was having a problem with because they rigged the bike, then he falls off. Luckily, lands in brush and survives with barely a scratch. And then that was the time to get him. But no, he walks down the road, finds some tow truck, and then drives off with the guy's truck. Then they attack him and then burn him alive. Yeah, that takes that. You don't need that. Right. Um, but then this movie wouldn't be 90 minutes. It wouldn't be feature length. Um, feature length is actually 60 minutes. They could have gone to 80, and I think this would have been really? tighter. Yeah, 60 minutes is a feature film. In fact, most what, like Marx Brothers movies, the early Marx Brothers movies, are just around... 69 minutes something like that but there can you have to be 60 minutes to be to qualify for the oscars or any um, of the awards film. so according to the academy of motion picture and sites the american film institute and the british film institute feature 
film runs for more than 40 minutes, while the Screen Actors Guild asserts that a feature's runtime is 75 minutes or longer. Most feature films are between 75 and 210. Extended it. There you go. Um, so yeah. So they could have gone to 80 and it would have been just fine. Hmm. Um, so I think you, I mean, watching it now, the camera is certainly great. I'm really, yes. I really enjoy the cinematography here. They like a lot of this framing is really good, giving you the information you need to see. Um, for sure. The editing is excellent. And the action scenes, them, the driving scenes themselves are really great. But it's, I, yeah, it's because I'm watching the scene where they get rid of Johnny Boy. And it's like, yeah, in terms of world building, it makes sense and it works. But considering that this story halfway through when Goose dies just gives up and because something else entirely, like there's no more police. The police are gone. There's no more, uh, like, town. The town is gone. That couple's gone. The, ju- the, the judicial system is gone. Because the, this, the movie makes a decision to do two things. Max leaves the entire situation. He considers his friend dead and then leaves him behind. And then he says, I'm scared. And his boss goes, you're scared for your family? And he goes, I'm not scared for my family. I'm scared that if I keep going out there, I'm going to like it. And it's turning me into someone who would like it. And he's like, take a vacation. <laughs> so the movie stops to tell you that he's not afraid for his family, though he should be. He is enjoying this world too much. And it, when, it, when you look at people like his boss, who are like, people don't believe in heroes anymore. I guarantee you that when like, this town gets overrun by, by other people, bikers, or the kind of people we will see in the later movies that this bald guy with his mustache just sat in his office in a chair with a gun thinking, like, it was supposed to stand. This place was supposed to stand. Like, no, that world is gone. And Max understands that. He is the equalizer. There's the, like, this world is turning into a horrible place for the weak, and the strong will take advantage of the weak, and Max is the only one with the right uh, in his mind and the desire to equalize that. That's that's what he's starting to see, but that's the thing that he doesn't want to admit because he has a he has a wife and he has a child. Maybe they could go to the city, but they never get that opportunity. But yeah, once the movie takes a break for them to go on vacation and for the bikers to come, it does the same thing again. She gets attacked, and then she gets attacked again. It's just why are you extending these things? Right. It's it's like I get that. It's like repetitiveness. Like, why didn't maybe why didn't they grab her when they were getting ice cream instead of when they were at that woman's farm? Well, at the very least, don't make her go to the beach. Just have them follow her to the barn. Just have them know that they were going north. And then, like, maybe when they're coming to the barn, just keep like show a couple of them in the background and stuff. Like, why does she have to go to the beach and kill the dog and come back and get scared by this guy and get in the car and get run down? Timing-wise, if you're looking to make it in an hour and a half, I get it. You're trying to extend that stuff. And there isn't a lot of, like, there's not a lot of on the kind of room floor, really. But I can't believe I'm arguing to make this movie shorter. But it feels like it should be shorter. Yeah, and like, logically, like, practically, there's a lot of, like, repetitiveness that you could cut out. Yeah. I understand that, like, 
uh, and I had the same thing with the old guard too. And I was trying to think in the old guard whether this was uh, deserved or not, whether this scene is deserves to exist. And it's the same thing here. Like I, I'm looking at the scene where all the guys are on the beach and they shoot the mannequin and they go to Johnny and they cut his face. Like none of that really matters because they just got Johnny free and he was there to be like, keep your mouth shut. It continues to like explain the relationship between Johnny and Toe Cutter. But I think you have other scenes for that too. So then you have to think about like, what does the scene really work without that element? And it's really just them shooting a mannequin in the face. So it's not that entertaining. So I just think some of this stuff isn't that entertaining anymore. But Mm -hmm. once you start watching the series, you start to appreciate the outfits and the editing and the cuts and all that stuff. That stuff is here, but because of what the story is, you could have made this a tight 80 minutes. You could have cut a couple of these scenes out, and it would have been pretty solid. You would have been able to have more showings, I think. Um, And I, I, But I will say this, with the other movies, this is not a problem. He gets more money, and he can make bigger and more fun and more, like, interesting stuff. Uh, if If you're watching a scene that, like, kind of looks dull you're at least you know satisfied by set design or the craziness of the world or an action set piece later that you know we're getting like a bunch of cars and a giant semi truck and huge like barricades and awesome costumes in the next movie there's a helicopter like yeah things escalate road warrior is a legit one of the greatest sequels ever um and as i'm watching this i'm like yeah there's some beauty to it and everything but like it also just feels it, it I don't know. It's a lot of people sitting in a room. The sound design isn't great. Like when yeah. they go to that dance club and that woman's singing, she's making up half the words. And you're just like, <laughs> not great. And, but it all works because it's like, yeah, you wouldn't have excellent singers in a dying wasteland there. It would be, it would just be a woman with no band, but a CD player going with random di- like instrumental disco. And she's just making up words and singing every now and then belting out a note every now and then wanting to, you know, and I, and I think that's, I think that stuff is like, after a while, when you look at what this world is, it all makes sense. It's why it's so impressive. One decision made all of this low budget nature work by saying this is the, the end, this is close to the end of the apocalypse where like systems are dying. Institutions don't give a crap about people anymore. And the last few people who have hope are slowly getting it ripped away by the people who know they can do that. That stuff is there in every single element, but it's also kind of a little too seventies, <laughs> little too seventies yeah. overall that it just feels kind of weird and dull at the end of the day. And I, think this is the only one that feels like that but watching it now beautiful movie um yeah just i everything works and everything is there for a reason and it is tight and it is well constructed but it does feel like two hours yeah um so the so i did i do like this it did feel long and like i was it was kind of hard to follow at that point, because, like, none of it, like, it just, like, um, like I said, it kept sidetracking and then circling back, um, to extend, to extend it, I guess. Um, but, 
I think what the, I mean, yes, I, I agree. There are, there are some things that they feel like they're going to be important and then they never show up again. Like there's the beginning chase and you have that fat cop, I I guess husky cop who uh, (laughs) is an asshole and gets his friend's neck cut despite the fact that he keeps telling him like your, your shenanigans are going to get us hurt or going to get us in trouble. And he gets his friend's throat slit. You think that's going to come into play. You think that guy's bullheaded nature is going to cause something to happen, but nope, never comes back again. You think that the, the relationship with him and the cop and the town in general or that couple that or the court case and Johnny. But you think any of that's going to yeah. come back? Yeah, it's just all dropped because Max decides to drop it, which is why I think it works. It works now because like Max is the one who says, I'm done with all of this. And he gives a legitimately interesting reason that makes the other movies work. Like that's why the other movies work, because George Miller made this, then stopped it. Then watched it and went, I think I just, I think I just made a badass. I think I just made <laughs> super badass. And now, what would, the, what kind of world would that guy, that kind of badass buy? What would he succeed in? What kind of world would that guy equalize the balance between the strong and the weak? How would he succeed in that world? And he had to make this for, I think. He wanted to tell the story of a guy who lost everything and then went on a like went on a ramp. I think the closest thing to a movie like this nowadays would be Mandy with Nick Cage. That's very that very reminiscent of this movie and its pace. But there's a lot of other movies that picked up the whole revenge story idea and went other ways with it. The revenge story is like the last 15 minutes. But you, I do think they make it work like. If you've ever been at a job and the only and it sucks and there's only one person left there that makes it worthwhile and then they're burned alive in a car accident by bikers, you know, you're not gonna like, like your that job one so guy much. at the movie theater. I forget his name. Uh, yeah, I know. That, that one guy I worked with who left and left me there. <laughs> uh, to go look at Target. Um, that that's, that, was, <laughs> that was the case here. That was the case here. Um, he lost good, like he, that's, what's very interesting to me. He kills Knight Rider and then he goes home and he sees his wife and he feels a little bad about it. And then, um, his, he goes into work the next day and his boss and the, his boss's boss have put money into Knight Rider's car to soup it up so that Max could like, be like, oh man, I love being on the road. I love driving. Let's get more people. And then he comes to his neck, and then he's killed a couple more people that were like wreaking havoc on the road. And his boss is like, "Ah, you're not being a pussy, are you, boy? Ha ha, good boy, yeah." And you're like, "Yeah, no, this is manipulation." And then Goose dies, and you're like, "Yeah, no, that makes sense." But you, like, when you really look at the world, like honestly, look at like they have no help. That's the police station. They're hurting each other. They all they want. They're out for blood. They're almost no different than these guys. They're not protecting people. They're trying to kill thugs. And like Max realizes that at the end of the movie, he's like, there's no world. There's no town to protect anymore. There's no reason. That's why that's why Fury Road is so important as a reboot. It's like survival. My wife is in the hospital. I'm not going to be able to pay her bills. And soon there won't be any hospitals. So she's going to die. And I have no baby. And my friend is is like burnt to a crisp. He's going to die in the hospital, too. No way he's going to make it. My boss believes in something that's an institution that's absolutely dying that, you know, 
is giving thousands of dollars for one card to keep one person there to save one town, maybe. And all it took was a group of bikers, one group of bikers to fuck that up. Like, wait till you see who's coming. So <laughs> they're going to have a Thunderdome, dude. There's a Thunderdome later. So, um, uh, <laughs> Does it in fact have thunder? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a it's a one man enter it's a two man enter one man leave type situation of judgment and and judicial court so things go a little awry. Matt like Max gets that. It's crazy. So, um, that was the thing. Like this whole movie didn't make any sense. Like for the longest time, right up until like he leaves the police station and he's talking about how Matt like that's when it clicked when he admits what he's actually afraid of that's when everything clicked for me was like okay um it's between all the wrecks and like i did not realize it did not click for me until you just explained it that that was knight rider's car like that 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 flew right over my head so Hmm. um so between, so between like that and like I can for like I can pretty much forgive everything because like this movie is about a guy who loses everything. Sure, like there's stuff that doesn't need to be there, obviously, but. That's how it all stitched together for me and how I'm willing to like accept that because it's just a it's a good movie about a guy who loses everything and then like in the last 15 minutes like goes on a tear and wipes them all out. You know what? That's great. I, I, and it's well movie, made. And it's well, well yeah. made. As that movie alone, it's great. It's very good. And it deserves all the credit it gets for just that. But what I really love about, um, like, what he saw and what, how, where he takes this is so interesting. Because for me, I think now looking back at this movie, knowing the other two, I wish we got to see more of him responding to and dealing with this thing. It feels like it's a, a surprise when he looks at his boss and he's like, I'm starting to like it. You don't get that impression. You you no. understand it because he's good at it, but you don't really feel like you got that. I feel like since those other things are those other moments are repetitive, maybe we could have had more scenes like that because the thing that's going to happen in the other movies is he's going to be a silent fucking dude that that holds his cards close to his chest. Like Tom Hardy's Mad Max is the end version of this guy in the sense that as the movies go on, he becomes more of a quiet animalistic uh, force of nature for other people that are getting um, victimized by others. Uh, he's the outside party that comes to a town. He's the Yojimbo. He's the samurai. He's the silent one that comes in and has no politics, but sees a balance and wants to equalize it. And to get to that point, it's so interesting that this is the this is the human. This is who he was. He was a guy who just liked cars, had a baby. His wife played saxophone. His best friend was a goofball. You know, I, I've 
there's a lot of humanity we get here now that we are going to miss from this character down the road as we enjoy so many other things that those movies give us. But this is the only real... I, I The moment he sits with his wife and he tries to explain how much he loves her, that's the most forever... That's the only real monologue we're ever going to get from this dude outside of what he tells his boss. It's going to get real sparse in the word department from now on, bro. So. <laughs> um... Those moments now. I wish we didn't have the repetitive two attacks in each of those situations with Goose and his wife so that we could have had more moments with him. If they knew this movie was going to be a hit, if they knew he was going to be a star, if they knew the boundaries that Miller had ahead of him in this world, I absolutely think they would have done that. But considering what they did make and what you just explained this movie is, yeah, on those terms, it's an hour and a half. You can sit with your girlfriend. You can watch a guy try and handle himself in a world that's gone bad. You know, a little bit of a Western. There's some violence, uh, car destruction. And then the last 15 minutes, he goes on a tear and just starts murdering people and becomes the world that turned him into what he was. Mm-hmm. Um, dang. I, had a, I keep losing my train of thought. Sure. Ah, anyway. Um, I'm stopping you. Well, no, last time you, you needed help. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay. All right, let's grade it. Well, no, no, no. Let's keep going. There's some. It's a few things. Did you notice yeah. anything in this movie that you would see in Fury Road? Because I did. The the sawed off dual barrel shotgun. I finally understand it now. Oh no! That well, yes. It's it became. It's in all the movies. You're gonna see as the movies go. Yes. In fact, if anything, here's what you should do. You should start making Mad Max tickers and Mad Max Fury Road tickers, but mostly Mad Max tickers. This is what I would this is what I noticed from Fury Road for sure. Old woman with a shotgun. Ah there's an old woman with a shotgun in every one of the movies, but there's certainly one here and a couple in Fury Road. And then um the other thing I noticed was the pole vaulters. The one guy who pole vaulted onto the semi yep. to get the I know that we know that's from Fury Road. I don't remember if that happens in Road Warrior. From what I understand in Road Warrior, there's one main truck with gas in it that people want. And um, there's not a bunch. There's just like one. So one is like a big fucking deal. Um, and, uh, but there, yes, there are things that will be Mad Maxisms. The dog. The dog in this movie becomes a thing. Um, Sawed-off shotgun for sure. His leg. Um, feral children. Oh, his leg! Oh, leg, leg and arm. When they ran over his arms, pretty fucked up. Huh. So have a, he's gonna have a limp for the rest of the movies. Um, his arm is gonna have a thing around it. Uh, his car, that Night Rider car, is it. That's his Inceptor now. It's called the Inceptor. Um, and then you're gonna notice a few other things too, for sure. But the sawed-off shotgun is in every single one of the movies. Yeah. Um. What else did I notice? Hmm. Oh yeah, the there is the it's it's like the small things where uh, Johnny towards the end was switching boot was uh, switching the boots like uh like in Fury Road when he just took the he took Nux's boot. Um. That yeah, that's a good one. Oh gosh, um, and cut to a door. Yeah, 
a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. When he, then he has to saw him. It's the, yeah. They, yeah. Handcuffed to the door. Yeah. That makes. Yeah. 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 Um, shoot. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Uh, main villain hisses before he dies. Oh, the main the main villain hisses before he dies. It's also the same actor who plays Immortan Joe. No way! That's the same actor who plays Immortan Joe. Yeah. Oh my George- gosh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, that's why I love that brow line. Watching it this time, I was like, yeah, he's a Shakespearean actor for sure. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Boy um, was such a terror on set when he was handcuffed to the car. They shot the scene. Then they had other parts of it to shoot, so they just went to lunch and left them handcuffed to the car. Everyone fucking hated them. <laughs> uh, because he was that bad on set? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of fun stories. I like when he goes to quit and his boss is just sitting there in leather pants, no shirt, and a, and a tie, or like a scarf with his mustache. I want to be that for Halloween. <laughs> Water. Heroes! <laughs> <laughs> We got to form heroes. The fucking station's dead. This, you're dead. All these. Oh, this is dead. Get out of here. Society is crumbling. Get get out. Um. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I really noticed. Um, that connects this movie to to Fury Road. Oh, we're getting. Uh, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get the, eye, the eyeball. When people die and their eyes pop out, that comes that comes back again. Oh yeah, um, his eye in this movie, his eyes popped out before he even hit the truck. So it happens. It happens to Night Rider too. Mm, I I guess, or like the like the extreme close up to their eyes. Yeah, yeah, like that. Um, legit popped out. <laughs> yeah, that's a neat it's trick. Good. Um. Also, gun. like when um, when toe cutter a truck and just seeing like the mannequin getting run over, I'm like, oh, that's brutal! Oh my gosh, it's obviously a mannequin, but that's still brutal. Oh yeah, dude, getting hit by a truck like that would suck. That's probably still not the most brutal death in this series. Uh, we're <laughs> probably we're gonna find out. Oh gosh. Um, Still feel bad for the pregnant woman who went out of the wheels. Went out of the wheels. Um, then a morning yes. Joe gets his face ripped off. Uh, yeah, those are probably the best, most graphic-looking, most fun deaths for sure. Um, but Road Warriors just—you're uh, gonna see some stunts in a Road Warrior dude that are just amazing. I can't wait. Um, oh show. Um, so. I would say, uh, if we're gonna gr- like, yeah, there's not much else to talk about this movie. It's. I it's will more- say one more point. Sure. I will say, I did not. I don't think I really dug the soundtrack. It just felt. I totally wrote that down. I do not like the score. Right. It felt too like I've heard the score in several other movies. I feel like. I would say I don't. I can't pinpoint much other scores than it sounds like to me, but I will say the one sound that in that they do cheat a lot with is they have a, a harp in there and they do some Jaws moments for sure. Some like, 
weird. Like, there's some moments with the heart that I was like, you're just being Jaws. But then everything else, I was like, these are just some aggressive horns really trying to tell you that this burnt hand is spooky. And you're like, oh, yeah. just fucking It's rest. like, it felt like a mix between, like, <sighs> I got strong Jaws vibes from it. But yeah. there's also, it felt like an Arnie or, or like a Stallone movie. That would come like years later. Well, Mad Max did define Mad Max like First Blood is one of the or it came out the same year and it is one of the earliest examples of an action movie. And I used to think it was just the last 15 minutes watching it now. No, the camera work with the car is 110. Oh, my God. OK, um, I, <laughs> I'm watching the movie again and I just realized when the mom goes to get ice cream with the baby and the bikers are just chilling out by the beach. Toe Cutter and Bubba are doing yoga. What? They're legit doing yoga. That's when they notice the wife and try to take the ice cream from her. Well, I never noticed that. That's crazy. Um, Anyway. Hold on. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. I got to see this myself. I got to see this myself. So when he's going, so when he's at, so when they're getting the ice cream, right? They're doing yoga. There's two bikers that notice her. And they're under a tent. There's these two random bikers. They're like, right. they're just, and like, as they're saying that in the background, Bubba is looking in the ocean and then toe cutter and somebody else are doing legit straight up. Jay, doing there's the mustachioed man. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> oh my God. I thought he was just doing some weird stuff and he sits up like that. No, they're doing yoga. So that's why Immortan Joe has that weird waddle because he does the stupid yoga pose and his back's all messed up. Broken. Some people have thought maybe Toe Cutter becomes Immortan Joe, but I mean, no. No, that no. he got wiped out. Like, got Toe Cutter got out. wiped out. Ripped in half. Those are his legs without a body. Like, no, he's gone. I don't do not accept it. Brother, maybe? Sure. Like that doesn't have like they they say also, Max wrote Ron they say Max Rotaski whatever his name is. So he, thank you. He Rakitansky so he has the same name. He is the same person in Fury Road. That's all that is set. So I don't think it's the same toe cutter. Huh. Um, I just, I think Furiosa is the lead of those movies, and Max becomes more of a person as they were supposed to go on. The the suing legal battles of Fury Road halted everything. He was always going to have the next movie be a prequel of Furiosa, but just because of the he couldn't get it made in time, Charlie's Theron got older, and they didn't want to do the CGI. Mm. Um. So. <laughs> So, are, one more thing. Are we going to even try to connect this movie to Dread? You think this is connected to Dread? Halls of Justice? When, when does it say Halls of Justice? Every time they go to the police station, they go to the establishing shot of outside the gate of the building, and then the arc over the gate says Halls of Justice. 
wow, really? I didn't notice that. Or I didn't care. Um, wow, I also didn't notice that or remember it from Dread. Um, the thing about Dread is that it takes place in America with half of America gone. Uh, and the other half being what's controlled by their cities. Um, it is a based off a comic book written in England, so Australia would know about it way more than America would. So them doing Halls of Justice could be a reference to that for sure. The reason I don't think it's the case, or if it was the case, it wouldn't matter, is because Australia isn't connected to America. And if, if I there will was say thing that did happen that made the rest of the world other than the half of America go like that, Australia would be left to its own devices and everything would still happen this way regardless. Think of any movie where the world goes to shit and Mad Max still counts. No one will give a shit about Australia and Australia will go to the desert. That is the point of these movies and you know what? It's exactly what would happen if things were this bad. So... I guess the only, I guess it's more of an irrational theory, but everybody, because everybody's just like, oh, it's connected. Um, but like, I will say, the leather, the leather costumes that the so-called police wear, that the bronze wear in this movie, are kind of reminded me of Stallone's dread. So they do. It also reminds me a lot of the of the outfit of Terminator in Terminator Two. Ah, yeah, I can see that too. Um, um, they're going to get crazier, man. So the the next movie is going to step up in that department in terms of costume. Just you wait. <laughs> like, like when I was watching this, I was blown away. I was like, "How did we get from this to Fury Road?" That's what I. That's what I'm looking forward to in these next two Dude. movies. Like, how did we get from here yeah. to there? Like within the movies. Oh yeah, you're gonna like that's the How thing. Does like, get um, there from here to there. I do agree with your take on dread, and it makes more sense that people in Australia would know about dread more than they would um, in the U.S. So they would use the references of their outfits. And the thing is, oh. those cops dread are kind of doing the same thing. They're trying to protect something that doesn't matter anymore. They they're trying to work in a system that does nothing. They're running in the same spot. And that's the same thing here, except here, it's going to die. There's not even going to be a need for police. The police won't work. The justice system won't be a thing anymore. That's all dying. So it um, does work. But you're going to see in Road Warrior and especially Thunderdome. Thunderdome is a, is a better example of like the look and the craziness where Fury Road would get. Road Warrior explains the world. The Road Warrior is going to give you a strong idea. It's going to jump the gun to Fury Road real quick here. This next movie's going to up the ante in everything, especially world building. Okay, so I was okay. So the, the, where I got the where I got the idea from was from Mister Sunday Movies, and he does he did a roundup of all the weird theories that are out there, um, and that was one middle. of them. They're in the middle of Transformers right now. I was actually watching their Transformers movies when you called me, or their Transformers movies reviews when you called me, and they're like, we're taking a break after this third one because we need it. And I'm like, we didn't, pussies. Nope. No, we did not. <laughs> you barrel too, but they also, have, they also get Bumblebee at the end too, lucky bastards. <laughs> we got to do Bumblebee at some point, um, should the wheel decide. We will. We will. Um... That reminds me, I gotta put another movie on there. Anyway, but it's and anyway. Um, grade. Um, considering 
what they took to make it, considering what the end result is, considering the only thing that I think would make it more interesting and better was completely decided, was completely understood and capitalized on in other movies anyway. So it becomes a bigger problem, but the results you get are two amazing, four, like three more amazing movies. So I'm fine with it. But the fact that it was made for a million dollars, the fact that the energy and the editing and the, and the pace uh, behind it inspired so many people, including the cops, to be like, yeah, all right, that's nice. And the fact that it fueled an entire um, batch of films to come through in Australia and give a bunch of people chances and opportunities. I hate Mel, Gip- I hate Mel Gibson, the director, but he is a good actor, and I love the Lethal Weapon movies. Um, it would give... George Miller a chance to make a bunch of other stuff that I'm going to get into. Like these, these three movies, these next two movies would be the first, to, the next three movies he would make. And there's only one thing in between that I'm going to get into that you need to hear the story about. Um, but at, like after that, he would get a few movies out that would give him a lot of success before he got to Fury Road, which is a long story in and of itself. Yeah. So I've hear, I'm curious to see that story because the because the movies that he that I know that he directed are crazy, and the guy has range. Like, uh, to crazy amount of range. To give you an idea of how what his career is, and I'll get, I'll, we'll get more into depth when we get to the these parts of his career, but he goes, these three, the first two Mad Max movies, then he has a section in the Twilight Zone movie, which is crazy, and I'll get to that. Then he has Thunderdome, the third Mad Max movie, so his... First three features are this. Then he does Lorenzo's Oil, gets nominated for an Oscar for screenplay. Then he makes the Babe movies. He produces Babe and directs Babe, Pig in the City. Then he makes the Happy Feet movies. And then in, then he makes Fury Road. That's insane! And he, produ- he has produced other movies, but those are the ones that he has focused on. Each and every one of them got a lot of attention to detail. They were passion projects for him. But like Fury Road was sitting, there were storyboards of Fury Road lining his office walls for 10 years before he made that movie. So everything he made at post um, Lorenzo's Oil was with the intention of getting eventually to Fury Road. And he liked, he liked family films and he made family films, but there was always in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm going back to that world. No one's going to stop me. I just have to keep being successful. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. George Miller is one of the... George Miller, like Robert Rodriguez, like Quentin Tarantino, he's one of those guys who just understood the camera and understood the world he wanted to tell. And um, his process and his pace and his editing is amazing it's perfected to the point that happy feet like he's like i want to make animated movies and happy feet is like you to make an animated movie you have to make a decision on every single frame of the film which is why i'm not surprised he was able to do that so well for mad max fury road um again we'll get to that but uh right here for what he made for what he had the vision he had the growth and the things that came to it it's not like Citizen Kane, where Orson Welles had help by the best people, had all the money in the world and had a vision and was able to pull it off. George Miller worked really hard to get the money together to just make a movie. And there are certain elements that are above others, and then there are certain elements he lucked into. Like Mel Gibson is a luck into. 
who knows what kind of movie this would have been if it didn't have Mel Gibson in the lead. But who knows what kind of chances he would have. But honestly, the power of the car chases and the stunts and the camera work carries a lot of what this is. Gibson is uh, attractive, he's got a nice butt, and he can act. Sure. <laughs> he looks great in leather sacks. But and Goose is kind of funny for a guy that can't act. But uh, <laughs> uh, he had never acted. He had never acted before. He he I got have, the job because he ran a motorcycle. That's it. I have got to step up my game on recognizing what good acting is <laughs> because I wasn't bothered by his performance at all. What Goose? Yeah, <laughs> I love Goose. I think Goose is great. That's my point. Goose was not an actor. He got the part because he could drive a motorcycle. Okay. It turns out he no, he legitimately became an actor after that, and he has been a successful Australian actor since. That's the thing. He lucked into Mel Gibson and the guy who played Goose and and the guy who played Jesse or the girl who played Jesse. He lucked into these things, but then there's a lot of what he built, and there's a lot of like the cops seeing it and being like, "This looks really good. Do you want help to make this better?" It's that's the thing. Sometimes you have it and sometimes people notice it and they can push for it. Like there's something in those cops at the time. They're like, you're making it a great low budget Australian movie. And we kind of want to be a part of this. This looks great. We want to be a part of it. And he did that two times over and made one of the greatest action series of all time. Like in South Park, Stan has for years had a poster that that uh, is an take on road warrior like this movie was important to a lot of people but it's it's had an inspiration on all things when he wears the horror mask of the bald monster and scares his wife and then crumples it up after she's been basically mutilated by the bikers that is very much referenced in the movie drive with ryan gosling when he puts on a stuntman mask that looks exactly like that and murders somebody like that there, there's beats in this everywhere but especially um, the later, especially Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome. Thunderdome was not as popular as Road Warrior. Road Warrior was a huge hit in terms of actions. Like, if this movie was Alien, Road Warrior is Aliens, for sure. Okay, so you're great, then. I'm going to grade it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> because I'm watching it at the same time and thinking of new things. Um, right, it's like 90 minutes of filler. And just when we think, like, there's, like, there's so much filler in this, like, and then once you think you've talked about everything, there's just more to talk about. Well, it's in, it's more so for me because I've seen the other two movies, and we love Fury Road. This movie got better because of the other two movies and what they built from this. This got better because of it, but if you just look at it as its own thing, it's like, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of filler and, re- and repetitive. And redundant, but then you see the other movies and you're like, but the world came from, oh my god, it makes so much. And you're like, yeah, I guess. So history has added to this movie that it didn't necessarily have from what it started with. But I'm gonna give it a B. I'm gonna give it a B. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm with, I think I'm in the B. I think I'm B, yeah. Um, you know what? B minus. Really? I'm because I know the other ones. I haven't seen Thunderdome, but I've seen enough to know, dude. You'd like, uh, it, it's gonna step it up. I'm not. I'm thinking of this in terms of other movies as well as the movies that come later. 
I know that if they if they took the time to break the two attacks down to one single incidence and then focused more on Gibson liking the world that he's getting drawn into um, and being distracted so much that he loses his family, which is not the case, but you can add that element before he makes the decision to go on vacation and quit his job at the same time. Those things would certainly help your movies down the road when he becomes less and less of a human being. This is his humanity, and it's going to lose as the movies keep going. That would certainly help the film. I think that takes it down a bit. I also don't think they knew those movies were coming and had those ideas. (laughs) So that does leave this a lot to be filler, but it's also made on a million dollars on a small budget. It's inspired so many movies since. The structure has become the essence of so many movies since, which is kind of sucks too. I mean, other movies have built on it and made it better, whereas this movie's, I don't know. I think, I think if it wasn't as beautiful as it was cinematography-wise, I would um, like it less. I think, like, it's the, the thing with The Old Guard I don't think is a very interesting-looking movie. I can't get past some of the problems. Luckily, the characters and the performances are great, and they can carry that. But it's not a very interesting-looking movie. This is an interesting-looking movie and elevates it just a little bit more. And then you have that sense of action, too, which is just going to get sharper as the movies. The way more action is going to show up in these movies. So um, I, I, I wanted to go B-. minus. And uh, I'm already, I'd never seen Thunderdome. So the, there's a part of my mind that just based off of memory is how I would want to rate Road Warrior. And I'm going to guess ahead of time that I'm going to go B plus on Road Warrior. Well, I'm, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay with B. And that extra space between B and B minus um, I think I'm gonna, I think that's more for me. That's like, like space for, um, that's Australia's ass. Sorry. <laughs> also when that guy who ran away from the wreck, like, he went, oh my God, like, like his yeah. butt was so red. I'm like, it just like, it like. Like, what did they do to... Oh. See, I, oh, I, thought, that, man. I thought that too, and I was like, oh, maybe they raped him. They raped her and him. And I was like, no, they dragged him. Because that's what they did to the other guy in town, and that's what would happen to his butt. That's why his pants would be gone. That's why but they his would be, back would be gone too. Uh, unless you... Li- I think they... Um, I don't know if they put red stuff on his butt or if they legit had to drag him bare ass or, or drag something on his ass to give that effect, but I don't think they wanted to actually like get it all the way up his back. I just I think they just wanted to show this is what it's like when someone gets dragged. Okay. Um that's did anything. They didn't look it there's not it's not blood, it's road rash, I think. Um so so I'm sticking with B. I'm it's like um I'm gonna give it a little bit of grace because they it's like May like uh, the the way I think about it is like they like they did not know what they had on their hands until after the fact, and like I think I think Miller did, which is why he was able to capitalize on it. But I don't think anybody else did. No. So, 
I think Miller discovered what this was when he got to the last 15 minutes and started shooting him in the costume with the black car and the half shot off shotgun. I think that's when he was like, Ooh, Ooh, I think I found something. And like, I think that's when he like knew what this could be, but it took to the point where he was shooting it. I think for him to be like, Oh my God, I've created a movie star. <laughs> and someone argued the wrong one. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, he just made these movies, and then by the 90s, something happened to him. I'd be fine. My mom loves Braveheart, though, and I don't, I could do without it. Um, so I'm I'm going with B. I enjoyed it. The filler did make it confusing about what it was about, but then once he explained why he didn't want to go back out there. It all kind of like clicked to me, so I could. So personally, I could forgive it for stretching all that stuff out. Um, but it is stretched out, and it is something that didn't. All that space really didn't need to be there. Um, it's painful. a ninety-minute film. Yeah, and the feature length is forty or seventy-five minutes, depending on who you ask. Um, so. Yeah, just like this was a guerrilla film. This gives this makes me optimistic for my own short film coming up in a month, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's entirely guerrilla. Um, so yeah, um, it's a good, it's still a good watch, like, it's still like a solid guy loses everything and goes on a rampage. And just happens to spawn an action an action movie uh, saga, so yeah. made it big as a midnight movie and as a like low budget exploitation movie that people would watch drunk at night. But I think it has grown up to be the perfect way to start your day. Like I think this is a hangover movie for sure in a lot of ways. Like. Yeah. Um, if if you're if you just wake up, you don't want to leave the bed. You're you're not ready to make breakfast yet. It's Saturday. It's summer. Like today would have been a great day to just wake up, start this movie, and then like get ready. And then when you're fully awake and ready to just sit down and watch movies some more, Road Warrior would be the is like the best afternoon movie. You hmm. don't have to think too much. You get the story right off the bat. The action's pretty fun. And then when you start waking up towards the last 15 minutes, you're like, they killed his baby? His wife ain't got no arm? Damn, kill them all. So, uh, yeah, there you go, everybody. Uh, Mad Max. Um, He doesn't start mad. He starts on the brink of going mad. And then he gets mad. And then he becomes mad in the brain. And then Mad Max. I... I lost it. Um, Get you'll help you. These movies will help you find it. Welcome, man. You're about to watch the Road Warrior. The Road Warrior. Next episode. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, take care. Um, Alex, say goodbye. Bye 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 bye. Hashtag re-release the American cut. You want the you want the dubbed voices? <laughs>
No, I don't. <laughs> Somewhat. Um. Oh man! Wow. Whew. We. I started recording again. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs>